0: Welcome to Bitch Talk Booze, an interview straight from the heart of San Francisco. This is Aaron. I am live from the San Francisco Jewish Film Festival. It's their 38th annual, and I am going to be talking to the director of the documentary, Sammy Davis Jr. I've Gotta Be Me. His name's Sam Pollard, and... Um, I am a huge Sammy Davis Jr. fan. In fact, I feel like I was a reincarnation of him, even though I was alive when he passed away. But I think it's because I grew up in a household where we had his records, my parents loved him. I think the parents went and saw Sammy Davis Jr. up in Tahoe, circa, you know, either late 70s, early 80s, or right before I was born, somewhere in the 70s. And just, my dad loved Sammy Davis Jr. Like, I can't tell you how much he was brought up in my life. So Sammy Davis has a really big part in my heart. And uh, I read his biography when I was a kid in like eighth grade for some reason. And uh, I was that weird kid. I'm like, I love Sammy Davis Jr. And um, it was just a real treat to be offered this film. It's closing night of the SF Jewish Film Festival. And uh, this film is fantastic. When you can see it, catch it, watch it in your local theater, or it might be streaming or wherever it is, please watch it. Um, He's a complicated man and he's an entertainer for over 60 years. Just someone that will never be in entertainment ever again. There will never be another Sammy Davis Jr. And there hasn't been. So uh, check out my interview with Sam Pollard now. We have Sam Pollard here, the director of Sammy Davis Jr., I've Gotta Be Me. Um, thank you so much for making this film. I'm a huge Sammy Davis Jr. fan. That's I grew good. up, I know you're looking at me like, are you? I yeah. um, grew up in a household with his records and just my, my parents. I know, I you know. Look, very look young. at you. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Don't, uh, don't let the looks deceive you. But really, really happy you made this film. Um, why was it so important for you to make this film?
1: Well, quite honestly, it was an assignment. I was asked to direct
0: the oh, film. Oh, okay.
1: I was originally going to just edit the film for another director okay. a friend, but he had some personal problems happen, hmm. and so he couldn't finish, couldn't continue, so they asked me to come on and continue doing the interviews and take over the directing. And I had done four previous American Masters, and right. so this was easy for me. And it also, you know, like you, I grew up... Watching Sammy on Ed Sullivan show, Hollywood Palace, seeing the Rat Pack film, Sgt. Three, Ocean's Eleven, Robin and the Seven Hoods. I was always a big fan of Sammy Davis Jr. So for me, it was a no-brainer. I went back and I started to read books I had read about Sammy before. I reread his autobiography, Mm -hmm. yes I can. I read his daughter's biography about her father I read a bunch of essays about Sammy. And then as we were starting to do more research, I had an opportunity to look into the archives. And Sammy Davis Jr. was on every show you could imagine. Mike Douglas, Dinah Shore, you know, Merv Griffin, Laughing. He did everything, you know, all in the family. So it was just great to see all that footage and then to see some early footage that I had never seen with him performing with Eddie Canter him doing shows by himself with Jerry Lewis. It was just great, great to go through his archive.
0: Yeah, and what did Sammy Davis Jr. mean to you?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting for me as an African-American man growing up in the latter part of the 20th century to see the trials and tribulations he had to go through, you know, the struggles he had to deal with when America was really a segregated society. It was just amazing to see his courage his tenacity, and his ability to overcome, to overcome. And the other thing that I found fascinating about Sammy is that the struggle of an African-American trying to live what I call the dual life Mm
0: -hmm. in Mm -hmm. America, a person of
1: color trying to live this duality of trying to be black or trying to figure out how to make it in a white world.
0: Right. You know. Trying to be accepted. That
1: that always makes makes it uh, really interesting for me because I struggle with that myself. Right. You know, so... I felt a kinship towards Sammy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're a professor at NYU. Absolutely. <laughs> Editor. I was like, I want to take his classes. Um, speaking of Sammy Davis and just the duality, um, I love that you talk about, and you had to, Sammy Davis Jr. and Richard Nixon, right? And that, that, that,
1: that, was, that thing. Yeah, that was <laughs> sort of, you know, the, when we were thinking about how to begin the film, I had come up with a few different options in terms of how to structure it. And the executive producer, Michael, said, you know, there's the audio tapes of Richard Nixon talking about Sammy. Yes. And then there's the hug. So when we were thinking about how to open it up, we went back and we started to re-edit this, the opening where we showed Sammy in, engaged with Sinatra and Dean, the Rat Pack, and we went back and found all the voiceover people were talking about he was a great performer, he was a great dancer, but he was always struggling with who was he? How was he going to be looked at? Was he going to be accepted? And then it helped us transition to that Nixon hug, which is, you know, for Sammy, it was like the most horrific thing that ever happened to him in his whole career.
0: Right. Um, Donald Rumsfeld, how did that even happen? Did you just write an email? I'm sorry. I have it in my notes as a huge, like, exclamation mark, question mark. I was not prepared.
1: I wasn't either. (laughs) Michael Cantor said we should interview Donald Rumsfeld. And I said, Why? (laughs) And he said because he was in the Nixon administration during the time Sammy, they were trying to embrace and engage Sammy Davis. So I said, well, if you can get him, we should do it. So he did. You know, he, he doesn't do much, but he was just there. You but, know. I know.
0: I, I didn't, it was like, oh, he's still alive. He's, he's still, still
1: alive. It's <laughs> I know.
0: That was a kick in the pants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also, um, the 60th anniversary special. It was funny. We were watching this. He's, this is my boyfriend as well. He's acting as my producer today, but <laughs> we were watching that. And I'm like, I remember watching this, and I remember seeing Gregory Hines, and that just I got real teary-eyed at the end. Can you talk a little bit about that oh, piece? You know, also? I had seen it
1: before, but you know, when you when you structure it and put it into the film the way we did, and realizing this was sort of Sammy's last hurrah. It's just phenomenal. And understanding, too, that Gregory Hines would be dead a few years later. It it just makes you doubly sad, you know. And what's amazing to me about that material is to see when Sammy puts on his tap shoes and he gets up there and he really dances. I mean, he couldn't sing, but he could still dance. Yeah. You know, and to see him and Gregory together. And then when Gregory bends down to kiss his shoes, it's a heartbreaker. Oh, I was... (laughs) It's a heartbreak. Tissues. a very powerful moment. Yeah. And the interest, you know, when you're making these films, you always have so much more material. So in one of our original early cuts, we tried to use some of the footage from that film that Sammy was in that Gregory Hines did called Tap. Yes, yeah. But it just didn't work, you mm-hmm. know. And we knew that as we start to cut down the film, we realized the strongest ending would be the one at the 60th anniversary.
0: Yeah. yeah. Are you finding with this film there are a lot more Sammy Davis Jr. fans than you thought?
1: <laughs> I got to say to you I've done a lot of films in my career as a director and as an, an editor, editor yeah and I have been surprised utterly surprised at the wonderful attention this film has gotten yeah I have shown this film I think in the last year in almost 35 to 40 film festivals and primarily Jewish film festivals right and it's been like amazing yeah. <laughs> I went to Haifa to Israel okay. last September uh-huh. and showed the film t- twice to sold-out audiences. And what's always interesting is that every time we do a Q&A for this film, somebody will raise their hand and say, not ask a question, but they will say something like, I saw Sammy in Las Vegas with Sinatra and Dean Martin and Joy Bishop. Oh, I used to hang out with Sammy and those guys backstage in Vegas, you know. You always get a story. Oh, I used to play Sammy Davis Records House in my house. Mm-hmm. You know, all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are the stories you hear, and it's amazing how, how much of an impact he had. You know, you know, because people forgot about Sammy Davis Jr. Mm-hmm. You know, but now it's like he's had a he's had a rebirth,
0: resurgence, yeah, yeah, a real resurgence. How do you feel about Sammy Davis Jr. now that you're done with the documentary and you're traveling with it?
1: Oh, you know, I I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Partially because he was a very complicated human being.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he was one of these human beings who let it all hang out. You know, he didn't hide who he was. He didn't hide the sort of problems or issues or concerns that he had about being black in America, about how the black community felt about him, about the fact that he decided to convert to Judaism, about his relationship with Kim Novak, about how mm-hmm. he felt when the black community shunned him after he hugged Nixon. He always. Was always open about everything he felt you know which is amazing for human beings because even all of us as human beings we're all pretty complicated but we don't let everything out No, oh, guarded he, 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 he was not a guarded man
0: yeah oh, two <laughs> yeah. minutes um, with that what do you want people to leave with after they see your documentary
1: I like for the people to leave with the fact that they see that this man was an extraordinary phenomenal entertainer on all levels singer dancer comedian actor Phenomenal. But I also want them to see that he also was a man who was challenged and struggled with what it meant to be a person of color in America, You know, which we still deal with in this country. And he sometimes was able to rise to the occasion, sometimes he didn't. And I think that's good to see.
0: Sam Pollard, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And good luck with this film. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Be good. That was director sam pollard of sammy davis jr i've gotta be me the documentary about sammy davis jr um it was a real joy and honor to talk with sam he is a big deal if you just google him which i did before i interviewed him he has edited uh, just a few of spike lee's films no big deal Um, he's also a professor at nyu under the Tisch school um yeah i want to take his classes I want to I want him to be my mentor Um, but uh, check out this film when you can it's a beautiful documentary about Sammy Davis Jr. who I'm a huge fan of and I I know Ange is too Um, and I didn't mention it before but please uh, head to bitchdogpodcast.com and find our socials follow us there look up our 290 plus episodes that are on the website and uh, just come and say hi so, uh, live from the closing night of the San Francisco Jewish Film Festival, number 38 in the books, this is Aaron and I'm out. Bitch, please.